Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlewood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Pat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange... The Bizarre, The Unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. So I'm excited. I got all of our Thanksgiving shopping done uh, early this year. Um, And by all of the shopping done, I mean I bought a lot of cheese. That's right, yes. Different types of cheeses. (laughs) Yes, I noticed you've got pre-sliced Gouda this time. I'm feeling fancy. (laughs) Now, we have a a little tradition on Thanksgiving. It's going to be, of course, Thanksgiving uh, Thursday this week here in the United States. And uh, our tradition is every Thanksgiving, we uh, we pull up in our house and we watch a silly 80s movie. Last year, it was Crocodile Dundee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we eat cheese and crackers and drink mimosas. Yep. It's pretty romantic. It's wonderful. As the day goes on, the food that we're consuming changes. But the fact that we are consuming does not change. No, it's a constant thing the yep. entire day. First, I make the um, uh, the croissants with the orange drizzle. Oh, we got to get oranges. Mm. Hold on. Okay. Alexa, add oranges to our Thanksgiving shopping list. I didn't find a Thanksgiving shopping list. Oh, dang it, because it's Siri. Sorry, Siri, you're lovely. Okay. Uh, oh, we have to get oranges. Put that on the shopping list. No, okay. This year, the film on cue is Air America. Yeah, that's one you chose. Yeah. And okay, fine. I've never seen it. So that's Mel Gibson, right? You seem really hesitant about it. Like a couple times it's been brought up and you're like, oh, well, is that what we're watching? It's only because... Going back to the days of Blockbuster, mm-hmm. I passed over that movie about 8,000 times. Okay. So now in my mind, I don't like it, even oh. though I have no idea <laughs> what it's about. I understand. Uh, so I'm going to learn. I'll be learning. Well, I think that every single film that we've chosen for our Thanksgiving films has been problematic in 
one or many ways. So I don't feel like this one's going to be different. Mm-hmm. But there's there's never been a film that we've watched and afterwards I went, wow, that held up. It started with planes, trains, and automobiles because, hey, Thanksgiving. Uh, but then we watched it about four years in a row and we, we branched out to... Uh, a fish called Wanda. Fish called Wanda. A Renaissance man. <laughs> yeah. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's what we're doing for Thanksgiving. What are you doing? I hope that yours is nice. I get to go first today, and I'm going to tell you a little story. I love a story. Marceline Demoulin was a 40-year-old shoemaker, and his wife Francine, she was a school teacher, age 37. They lived with their children in a small Swiss village. Okay. It sounds like a once upon a time, doesn't it? Really it really does. Does once he have elves that come and help him make shoes? <laughs> it sounds like that kind of a story. But this one's true. It was a Saturday, August 15th, 1942. The couple were preparing for a hike to the meadow above their house. Of course they were. In, in Valais, uh, which is in Switzerland. They were going up to the upper pasture to milk their cows. It's kind of like a Heidi thing, too, isn't it? Really it really is. It's so romantic. But really, when you think about it, it's a lot of work and there's a lot of cow shit involved. Mm-hmm. He's a shoemaker. She's a school teacher. And they're also tending to their uh, to their livestock. So it's a busy life. Sure. She told a reporter that uh, she saw her parents walking through the valley that morning. It was a nice day. She said her father was singing. It was the first time that my mother went with him. On such an excursion, she was always pregnant. Uh, She could not climb the difficult conditions of the glacier. We uh, play, uh, you know, I play volleyball. Um, Our team plays another team probably twice a season that has a team name, but I don't know what it is because Mm -hmm. we call them always pregnant. Uh They have, (laughs) (laughs) there's always someone on their team who's pregnant. And so that's just how they've become known to us is always pregnant. They're very good. They always win. That's because they're not pregnant. They're hiding um, trick balls oh, you think in that's their what shirt. It is? <gasps> yeah. Clever girl. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, the fastest route to the pasture was over this glacier. It was a glacier footpath. The sky was clear when the couple set out. The clouds, though, later worsened visibility later in the day. They were never heard from again. Oh, no. They disappeared that August weekend back in 1941, leaving behind six young children. Wow. Marceline, who was their youngest, was four the day that her parents went missing. It was her birthday. Oh. So upon realizing that the couple had not returned, the village quickly formed a search party. And it said that it was pretty extensive. The uh, It was pretty much the entire village. Mm. And they went out and they searched all day into the night as long as they could. The next day, same thing. The search went on for several days and those days stretched into weeks and those weeks stretched into months. After two months of fruitless searching for the couple, the six children were placed in foster care. Now, Marceline told a newspaper, after a while, we children were separated and placed in different family homes. I was lucky to stay with my aunt. We all lived in the same region, but over time, we became strangers. Oh, that's so sad. She said, I climbed the glacier three times afterwards, always looking for them. I kept wondering if they had suffered and what had become of them. However, she said at one point that... uh, 
she just had to accept that her parents were never coming back. What happened to them? Well, for decades, nobody knew. Is it like a the way by fastball kind of story where yeah. they made up their minds and they started packing left before the sun came up that day? I love that song. <laughs> it's a terrible song. It's a wonderful song. <laughs> 75 years go by. All but two of the children are dead. Oh. But the two surviving children continued to search, to always ask people that were going to be hiking up into that area to keep an eye out. Still no luck. But then on the afternoon of July 13th, 2017, a ski resort employee was checking some cable cars at the base of one of the runs. At the base of the ski lift, he saw what looked like rocks sticking out of the melting glacier ice. <gasps> he moved a little bit closer to examine them. and He thought it was odd that there were so many of them clustered that way. Closer still, he noticed that what he was seeing was actually pieces of clothing. A knapsack, a bottle, a book. The resort worker then realized what he was looking at was a couple huddled together and frozen into the glacier. It appeared as though they had been there for decades. As the glacier melted, it slowly revealed the secret of where the couple ended up. They were at the base of a ski lift, frozen in a glacier for 75 years, and nobody knew they were there. I mean, the ski lift wasn't there when they were frozen. Obviously. Obviously. But they built the ski resort pretty much on top of these people. Oh, wow. 75 years went by until the glacier had melted enough to reveal where they were. Now, the remains were partly submerged in a hole in the ice. From afar, it looked like small pieces of rock, but they were there were too many in the same place, explained the station resort director to a Swiss Public Radio show. When the ski lift technician got closer, he realized that what he was seeing were backpacks, mess kits, a glass bottle, shoes, and of course, the bodies of a man and a woman, dressed in clothes from the World War II period. It was thought that the couple may have fallen into a, into a crevice in the glacier, either injured themselves or mm. they became trapped and froze to death and um, were never discovered until 75 years later. Oh, that's so sad. The bodies were lying next to each other. It's a man and a woman wearing, as I mentioned, World War II clothing. They were perfectly preserved in the glacier and their belongings were intact. Wow. It appeared as though they had just, at some point, just huddled together and froze to death. So if, it, if they were just becoming uncovered as the glacier is melting, it makes sense that they would have fallen into a crevice or something mm-hmm. and been on, because otherwise, why wouldn't they have been seen when people were out looking for them? And that's what the evidence indicates, is that uh, somehow one or both of them fell into this crevice and couldn't get out. Maybe they had injured themselves and couldn't get out right. or just couldn't get out and froze to death. And then over the decades, the snow just covered sure. them all up. And oh. there they stayed until July of 2017. They were found at an altitude of 8,600 feet. DNA testing was carried out to confirm the identities of the couple, although on their bodies they had ID. Oh, okay. It was, they were so well preserved that, yep, let's check his wallet. Okay, it's him. Oh, wow. Uh, but they carried out the uh, DNA testing, and after 75 years, the two surviving children had the answer. 
for what they've been looking for their entire lives. That's got to be a mixed bag of emotions. Yeah, I would think so. The youngest daughter, Marceline, said, We spent our whole lives looking for them without stopping. We thought that if we could give them a funeral they deserved one day, it would bring us some closure. Mm. And she was 79 years old by the time that they, they found her parents. Wow. Marceline Demolian and his wife, Francine, were laid to rest on Saturday, July 22nd, 2017. The youngest daughter, Marceline's niece, Marilyn, said uh, her two aunts, Monique and Marceline, the two surviving children, mm -hmm. uh, were now happy that they could finally mourn. The priest at the service said three quarters of a century later, the family can at last stop asking the question, what happened to them? Now, this isn't the first time that a find like this has been made. Objects and people emerge frequently from the glaciers in Switzerland and the surrounding area, especially since the ice sheets have been melting rapidly mm -hmm. over the past few decades. Uh, there was another case actually pretty near where this one was. It involved the discovery of four frozen corpses in the glacier in 2012. After examination of those remains, it was determined that those were bodies of a climbing expedition that was lost in 1926. Whoa. Over the past several years, the shrinking ice and the glacier melting has yielded bodies all over the place. Given, current, given uh, the current shrinking of glaciers, it's expected that many, many more findings are going to uh, surface. Sure. There was a similar case of two Japanese climbers who had gone missing in 1970 on the Alps Matterhorn, Matterhorn Mountain. They were lost in, in, in 1970. Uh, they were found in September tw uh, 2016. Oh, wow. George Mallory, famed mountain climber, disappeared Mount Everest's peak in 1924. He was found 75 years later in 1999, looking like he had just sat down for a nap. Right. Well, in those conditions, it's easy to get lost. But when you're found, you're very easily identifiable because that's, of that's the, true. the preservation there. I in, mean, in there's his, a reason why freezers are a thing. That's right. Now, in his case, the body was found with na name tags and notes on the clothing it's believed that uh, he reached the summit nearly 30 years before Sir Edmund Hillary. But um, what happened during the expedition is a, is a, is a mystery. Yeah. They think he got there, but didn't get back down. Right. And I understand that on Everest, there are so many frozen hikers that people use them as guideposts. That's what I've read. You climb so many thousand feet, and then you go left at, at Green Boots. They have nicknames for them, or right. Yellow Hat. It's weird. It's a very main way of giving directions, though. <laughs> yeah, kind of is. You're going to want to turn left where that barn used to be. Yeah, or they just say, you can't get there from here. No one says that. But if they did, they'd say it that way. Oh, yes, of course. In 1952, an Air Force plane crashed into uh, Mount Gannett, in Alaska, and was buried inside Colony Glacier east of Anchorage for over five decades. During the summer of 2012, the glacier melted, and the wreckage of the flight that killed 52 men was discovered. Whoa. Human remains emerged a year later, and the bodies of at least 31 victims have been reportedly recovered. So, And this is all due to the fact that uh, shit's melting. Mm. I was just reading an article that said that that glacier... In the Alps, that they found that couple. Yeah. At the current rate that it's melting, it will not exist by 2100. Wow. Glaciers gone. Crazy, huh? It is. I wonder if like hundreds of years from now, people will look back on this as 
the glacial period. And some will question if we really had glaciers or if it was a myth. <laughs> you know, Steven Spielberg made those up. <laughs> I got my information from CNN, Time Magazine, Independ The Independent, SWI, Huffington Post, The Guardian, and National Geographic. Anyway... Bunch of frozen dead people. You're welcome. Which is interesting because in that fastball song, uh, <laughs> there's a line that says uh, something about where they are. It's always summer and they'll never get cold. Huh? huh. Wow. The prophecies according to fastball. Mm. And now that thing in the middle. Hey, so we started a new Facebook group. Oh, you did. What's it called? It's called Freaks, a yeah. box of oddities group. And you can join it by sending a uh, membership request, and uh, we'll we'll check you in. Easy check-in. Yep. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Ken Fell posted this question to the Freak Page community. Hi, freaks. Helix and I are so happy to be here. Share one really weird fact about yourself. Below, I'll start. I have recurring dreams of a different life that isn't mine, but it feels like it is. And so our thing in the middle is inspired by this post on the freak page. Weird things about freaks. Thanks, Ken. Number five. Laura writes, I can't stand in a garage and open the garage door. I need to be sitting in the car or let it open before I leave the house, especially if it's dark outside. It's only as it goes up, though. I'm fine with it closing and I can be in garages, just not in the garage while the door is going up. Number four, Jay writes, I have two. Number one, I can only use the fourth stall in public restrooms. And number two, I will not eat the edges of pancakes at restaurants, only the middle. I get the stall thing at work. If I use a bathroom stall, like in the morning, that's the stall I'll use for the rest of the day. And do you mix it up from day to day, though? Yes. You do? Because they get okay. cleaned every day. Oh, I see. But if I've already risked the butt bacteria in that <laughs> stall, mm -hmm. I might as well re-expose myself to that same butt same, bacteria. Because it might be a lesser strain of, of butt bacteria. Right. Or yeah. at least a lesser amount of varied butt bacteria. We only have one stall in the bathroom at my place of work. Mm. And so oftentimes I will go in and, and sit down and the seat will be warm. And I oh, hate that. That makes me want to throw up. Number three, Anita writes, I can write with my feet. I want to see that. That's amazing. Yeah. In fact, Sonia commented, oh, wow, now that's a feet. <laughs> oh, 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 foot humor. Foot humor. <laughs> Number two, Jean writes, the Hawaiian war chant plays in my head when I brush my teeth. I love it. <laughs> that feels like a very me thing. <laughs> and Danielle writes, I have to mentally prep myself most times I open a public bathroom stall. Because I visualize that there's a dead body in there. <laughs> it's happened for as long as I can remember. I don't know why. <laughs> it's always better to be safe. Absolutely. So anyway, the uh, Facebook group is a thing now. Yeah. Come hang out with us. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something, if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. 
Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores, and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids, and they live about 3,000 miles away, and my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life... Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout, and you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. The Box of Oddities. At a frequency so high, only your dog can understand. Last thing in the middle we did uh, was weird ICD medical codes. And we got a message from Karen who says, I'm a medical decoder. Uh, And I've had to use a lot of weird codes. The other day, for example, I needed a code for a patient who had been attacked by with nunchucks. I was sad to find that there wasn't a code for that. So I had to use assault by blunt sports equipment. Other. 
That is incredible. What you got for me? What what you what what you what you got for me? What 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 what, what you got for me? So we know about Catherine the Great. Oh um, yes, she was she, an animal lover. She that's allegedly. Okay, allegedly. Um, she was the Empress of Russia from 1762 to 1796 and the country's longest ruling female leader. Uh, she came into power following a coup d'etat. Coup d'etat. Coup d'etat. French. Uh, that she had organized resulting in her husband, Peter III, being overthrown. So... Like I said, we're pretty familiar with the Catherine the Great story. Uh-huh. Let's talk about Peter the Third. Okay, let's do that then. Okay. What's his deal? After the death of Empress Elizabeth in 1762, Peter got the throne as Emperor Peter III and Catherine became Empress Consort and the couple moved into their new winter palace in St. Petersburg. Catherine first met Peter at the age of 10 and based on her extensive writings, she found Peter detestable upon meeting him. She said that she hated his pale complexion and that he was a boozer at such a young age. At 10? At 10. Wow. Yeah. So it had been arranged for Peter to marry his second cousin, Sophia Augusta Frederica, who then became Catherine the Great. The young princess converted to Russian orthodoxy and took the the name Ekaterina Alexeyevna. There's so many consonants. I know. I know, sweetie. We're just going to call her Catherine from now on. They married in 1745, but the marriage was not a happy one. They did, though, produce a son and a daughter. Catherine claimed that, in fact, that the kids weren't technically produced through the marriage. I see. You know. Yeah. If you want to get into it, Maury style, uh Peter and Catherine, she claimed, had never consummated the marriage, All right. which would have made making children difficult. Yes, in many cases. Uh, Catherine described Peter as an idiot, a drunkard from Holstein, and good for nothing. Peter is described in many articles, uh, including the 1911 Encyclopedia Britannica as, quote, nature made him mean. The smallpox made him hideous, and his degraded habits made him loathsome. Okay, so he was disfigured because of smallpox. Mm-hmm. Um, he was an ass yep. and a drunk. Correct. Why did they call him great? They didn't. Oh, he wasn't Peter the Great? No, he was Peter the Great's grandson. Oh, he was Peter the Third, and he held his reign for six months. Okay, so he was Peter the Not-So-Great. Yeah. It is written this way. So he had... All the sentiments, quote, of the worst kind of small German prince of the time. He had the conviction that his princeship entitled him to disregard decency and the feelings of others. My. He planned brutal practical jokes, and his most manly taste did not rise above the kind of military interest which has been described as a mania. He was obsessed with military uniforms. 
buttons, tricks of parade, and the fourth of discipline, meaning he was just, he was obsessed with the military, but right. actually wasn't much of a... Okay, so he was, oh, he was compensating. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. It should be noted. Maybe they should have called him Little Peter. Oh, we don't know. Maybe. Catherine can't speak to that. That's right? true. We don't Allegedly. know. Allegedly. It should be noted that Peter did proclaim religious freedom in those times. Um, he fought corruption within the government. He intended to expose uh, those within the secret police, uh, which he thought was one, unnecessary, and two, the uh, torture and uh, mercilessness of the secret police hmm. he thought was unnecessary, and he wanted things to be more transparent. Peter also established obligatory education for aristocrats. Hmm. So he said that all aristocrats had to provide their children with education, and it had to be reported to the Senate. Okay. Um, I guess, you know, when you are the kid of a noble person and you just hang out in a castle all day and you don't really have to go to school and you don't really have to be taught anything. You just become kind of a suck on the country and they, he didn't see how that was beneficial to anyone. That's interesting. Now, a lot of this is because uh, they were, you know, his ideas were good ideas, you know, the reform in the way that people are treated and so on and so forth. But a lot of it was mostly because he hated Russia. Huh. Now, yeah. That's interesting. Now, so how did he become the Tsar of Russia then? Because he was not Russian. So he was the grandson of Charles the 7th of Sweden on his father's side, which meant that once his parents died when he was young, he was placed in the care of tutors and officials in the German court, and he was being groomed for the Swedish throne. Wow. Peter's obsessed with Germany and with Prussia, but he hated Russia. And uh, it turns out that over time, Russia kind of hated him. It was reported, though, that when Peter was young, he was beaten and starved and generally mistreated by his tutor uh, during the formative years of his life. He was, his tutor was a very sadistic dude, and Peter was a very poor student. So the worse that Peter did, the more he was abused, and the more he was abused, the worse that he did, because obviously, you know, torturing someone doesn't lead to them being smarter. And in this case, it led to uh, heavy drinking at the age of 10. Yeah. So Peter did not do well in his schooling. Mm. Um, and it was this treatment probably that led him to become this sort of like dick bag uh, <laughs> who treated people terribly. Yeah. And he never really, he became like this man child who loved having power, uh, but used it for just being a shithole. It must. He he was being groomed for the uh, Swedish throne. You said, mm -hmm. and so he's thinking he's going to get the Swedish throne, and then he gets he gets placed in in Russia. I wonder. It must be kind of like you know you're a football player and you're hoping to play for the Patriots, <laughs> and you end up being drafted by the Bengals. You think so? Yeah, it's probably the same. So sorry, when Cincinnati. Love you. I don't know about football, so I'm not part of this joke. They're the they're the orange tiger uniforms. Oh, I like them. <laughs> so anyway, when Peter the Third was just 14, uh, his aunt Elizabeth, uh, who on his mother's side, who was his closest relative, she became the Empress of Russia, and she took Peter with her and renamed him uh, something, and. Uh, <laughs> inducted him into the Russian Orthodox faith and proclaimed that he would be her heir. He wasn't into this. Hmm. He, he thought that he was destined for something else, and he obviously had some entitlement 
feelings. And he ended up on the special teams for the Bengals. Exactly. So Catherine reported that uh, he would spend his nights in bed with her playing with the toy soldiers that he was obsessed with. Sometimes he would force Catherine to dress up as a soldier and put her through uh, rigorous, intense military drills. Okay. How old was he then? Well, it was after they were married and they, okay. you know. Wow. Wow. So was it kink, do you think, uh, that he just didn't act upon? Did he get some sort of sexual uh, satisfaction from forcing her to dress up in military garb and then march her about? I don't know. It's hard to say, considering that she I mean, said that they never consummated. Yeah, but so what was he? Was he drills re- didn't yeah. result in... Well, but he was under the... He was under the covers playing with his toy soldiers. Right. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? So, like I said, he kind of had this man-child thing about him where he would play with his toys, which can be, you know, kind of endearing. It's like, okay, well, you didn't get to have this this childhood that maybe you felt like you deserved. Mm-hmm. So, instead, you, you know, you're now yeah. this czar and you get to play with the toys as you choose. But uh, Catherine reported that when he was done with that, if he became bored with his toys, then he would go down and just randomly beat his hunting dogs. Wow. That would just bring him a little joy at the end of his day. Wow. She reported, and and this is how the story goes, that he would spend hours meticulously setting up his toy soldiers in rows throughout his bedroom. And that one day, Catherine writes, when I went into the apartments of his Imperial Highness, I beheld a great rat, which he had hanged with all the paraphernalia of an execution. I asked what all this meant. He told me that this rat had committed a great crime, which, according to the laws of war, deserved capital punishment. So what had happened was the rat came out of the woodwork and chewed the head off of one of Peter's toys. Oh, he no. was so incensed that he built a tiny gallows to hang this rat. Wow. He was a complex individual. He held a proper military court-martial for it. Mm-hmm. During which I'm sure a lot of people were like, uh-huh. Okay. Sure. Yeah. That, yep. Slowly back out of the room. Yep. Close the door quietly. So, yeah, he had these weird tendencies to play with his toys, to be brutal to animals and people. Um, one of the things that he really enjoyed doing was setting up elaborate practical jokes, which weren't like, ha, ha, ha I got you. It was someone ended up hurt or dead. Really? Um, just just really didn't have a concept of humor in that way. No, that's not. Really? Yeah, that's not, not humor. It's not um, did, did they give you any examples in your uh, materials of some of his? I don't have specific examples. It okay. just said he a litany of practical jokes well, that involved in people getting injured or. Based on his cruelty to animals, I mm. imagine they. Uh... They weren't great. It's like 1762 and Peter's been the czar for six months and Catherine is feeling like he's intending to divorce her. And that's when she decided, well, then I'm I'm more suited to rule than he is anyway. <laughs> and she had many supporters in the court because she was pro-Russia. And Peter, can't, you can't have supporters in the people when you actively hate the people. It's going to be hard, a hard sell. Yeah, sooner or later, people are going to figure it out. Yeah, I don't think he was quiet about it. <clears throat> <clears throat> 
But she wasn't about to lose a throne. So that's when she conspired with one of her many lovers and uh, other members of the guard to overthrow him. And that's when that happened. And then it was not long after that that uh, Catherine became the Empress of Russia and Peter was formally abdicated. Uh, He was arrested and taken into custody and then just nine days later was assassinated. But probably that wasn't, you know, not part of the plan. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't sound like it was accidental. Right. We'll see. Uh. No, I think it was probably part of the plan. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he he beat dogs, so whatever. Yeah, well, (laughs) (laughs) Okay. This is all very fascinating. Anyway, there you go. That's the story of Peter III, uh, the uh, six-month czar of Russia, who was way weird. Peter the Great Big Asshole. (laughs) Now, I think you need to continue this story in another episode and talk more about Catherine the Great. It's just I feel like, uh, you know, Catherine the Great is a story that a lot of people know. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like this I had never heard about uh, Peter and his rat gallows. And there's the title of this episode. Okay. Um, tickets are on sale for our live shows. As always, you can find them at our website, Washington, D.C., the 29th of January. And the 29th of February, we will be in um, Connecticut, Bridgeport, Connecticut. Can I just for a moment talk about how excited I am about our trip to D.C.? The The history that lies there is, is mind-blowing, and there's that great salad place that we went that time and (laughs) we're gonna go and visit the willard hotel which has so much history and we've been learning about that uh that's where the mint julep was created as well as where they hid abraham lincoln for a few days before his Inauguration. inauguration it's also the place where dr martin luther king wrote his i have a dream speech it's incredible wow steeped in history steeped and we're gonna go to all the museums all of them probably just a couple but still it's gonna be great so excited Come hang out with us in the nation's capital. Ah! Sorry, it's my favorite. I love it so much. I can't wait. (laughs) Thanks for hanging out with us again. We love your company, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those I report to to beseech you for assistance. The Box of Oddities is free. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, it is merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.
If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts.